evening. Sunday house, Sunday night in the house of the Lord. What no better place to be to end the Lord's day. And it is the Lord's day, not the Lord's morning, not the Lord's hour. It is the Lord's day. So we're closing it the same way we started it, with the glory going to Jesus Christ. I've enjoyed my time with you. I do each and every time. I mean, I was telling my wife today, I, I'd be, no, you spread this around. Don't tell anybody about this. You do, I'll come haunt you. <laughs> I don't feel as comfortable in probably any other church than I do right here. I don't know what it is. I, uh, I think it goes beyond the pretty color scheme and the architecture. I think that's just a sweet spirit that we have with each other. And I guess we both love Jesus, and that makes all the difference in the world, doesn't it? And yet, when you love Jesus, then we can learn to go ahead and love each other, you know? But uh, I'm, I'm thankful for the privilege of being here. I believe God has brought me here. And, and it's nice coming, not having to sing Christmas carols every time. <laughs> Although I look forward to that <laughs> each year uh, as well, and it's a bit warmer. Uh, but I know God wanted me. It's his will. And, you know, the will of God, as I mentioned this morning, is very important in our life. And uh, I heard about this fellow. He's walking down the road. This old farmer walking down the road. And he walked by the preacher's house. And the preacher said, hey, Buster, where are you going? He said, I'm going to market. going to sell my cow. He had a cow and a halter bringing him down to the market. The preacher says, well, Buster, you, you, you ought to say, Lord willing. He said, Preacher, I'm telling you, I'm going to market and I'm going to sell my cow. Buster should say, Lord willing, Preacher, I'm selling my cow. That's all there is to it. So he goes down the road and about a half a mile down the road, out of nowhere, a bolt of lightning come out of the sky and hit the cow, blew up the cow, knocked him in the ditch, got him all dirty. Now he's walking back with an empty halter in his hand. Goes by the preacher's house. And the preacher said, Buster, where are you going now? He said, going home, Lord willing. <laughs> Exodus chapter number three, please, in your Bible. Sometimes we learn lessons the hard way, don't we? I'll preach a very simple message uh, tonight. Be an encouragement to you with the thought of what can God do with you? Or let's make it personal. What can God do with me? Have you ever answered or thought about that question? God, what can I do? I don't have a talent for music. I can't play the piano or organ. I don't have a great deal of vocal ability to sing parts in a choir. Uh, God, how can you use me? So you want to look at Exodus chapter number three, and one of my favorite characters in the Bible, the character of Moses. I probably identify with Moses more than any other man in the Bible outside of my Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Just something about Moses' life that I identify with. He was a nobody that God used in a great, great way. 
He had a speech impediment. He couldn't talk. You remember, he gave God excuses. God says, Moses, go to Pharaoh. Tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And, and Moses, God, I can't talk, so I'm going to give you Aaron for a mouthpiece. He'll do the talking for you. Isn't it strange that whenever you're reading the Bible, it's always Moses doing the talking. <laughs> and that's the way it is sometimes, you know. Uh, but he had no excuses. He said, God can't use me. But here we are in a time in Moses' life in Exodus chapter number three. Now, Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock of the, of, to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire. And the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. And he said, draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from thy feet, for the place wherein thou standest is holy ground. And moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Moses is in the desert. At this time in his life, he probably felt like a failure. He was about 40 years old. Due to past circumstances, he probably felt useless, barren, and just kind of drifting along day by day. No real aim, no real purpose. If I just make it through today, I'll be okay. But no real goal in their life. And how many are like that today? I talk with young people many times, and uh, some of them be graduating from high school. Some have already graduated last month. And I said, what are you going to do after graduation? Well, oh, no, I'll hang around and just hang out. No goal, no aim. But many adults are the same way. We get into a routine. We get up. We go to work. We come home, maybe mow the lawn, do a few things, watch maybe a little bit of TV, go to bed. And the next day, it's the same routine over and over and over again. In the past, in the previous chapter, Moses has killed a man. In chapter number 2, in verse number 12, there were, uh, well, we, in verse number 11, and it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, that he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens, and he spied an Egyptian smiting a Hebrew. One of his brothers. Now, here it was. Moses is walking along, and all of a sudden, he sees this Egyptian beating up on a Hebrew. I don't know if he knew him or not, personally, but he knew that he was a brethren of the faith. And somehow, Moses' anger got stirred up. And Moses' anger was, was hot upon him. And, 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 and the Bible says here, in verse 12, and he looked this way and that way. And when he saw there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. 
So here was an Egyptian beaten up on a Hebrew, a fellow Israelite. Moses, in his anger, got him. I don't know how he, I don't know if he hit him on the head or what he did with a rock. I have no idea. But he killed him, dug a shallow grave in the sand, and buried him. He looked. Nobody saw me here. There's nobody around. I got away with it. However, we do find that he was seen by someone and told Pharaoh. He was, so he was a wanted man. He was running away. But the problem is, folks, in our life, you could never run away from your problems. Sometimes we get to think, oh, if I just move to a different place, it'll be better. If I just had a different neighborhood, I'd be better. If I had a different wife or a different husband, I'd be better. And we always think of our circumstances changing to make things better for us. But the problem is us. We are our own problem. And wherever you go, you bring your problems with you. And if you're a person that's very critical and very crude and you go on vacation, guess what? You're going to be very critical and very crude. The answer is Jesus Christ, and the answer is let him change and to transform your life. So he was a hunted man. Pharaoh wanted him killed, and he ran away to Midian. But we learn that we cannot run away from ourselves, and most of all, we cannot run away from God. I had a man tell me one time, he says, Preacher, I want to die, and I want to go to hell. Ah, he was very plain and very open about that. So I began to inquire of him his, the reason for his thinking. He said, I said, sir, tell me, why would you want to go to hell? He says, to get away from Christians like you and to get away from God. I said, sir, I don't want to disappoint you, but you're only half right in that thinking. True, you will be away from Christians. There will be no gospel invitation for you to be saved in hell. There will be no Christian concern for your soul. There will be no invitation for you to come and hear the gospel preaching and to surrender your heart to the Lord. You will be away from Christians and preachers. But you'll never be away from God. David himself said, if I ascend into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, thou art there. The presence of God will haunt those that are in that place of judgment forever and ever and for all of time and for all of eternity. And Moses ran away to Midian. He's about 40 years old. And he had nothing but a father-in-law job working for his father-in-law tending some sheep. He had nothing. He was at a crisis in his life. And how many today, perhaps around that age, they said, what have I accomplished in my life? What have I really done in my life? And I guess all the politicians, and they all want to leave a legacy that they're remembered by, you know, and, and all and things that they have done. And we're the same way. And he's looking at his life. He said, I have nothing. I'm a, I'm a wanted man. Pharaoh's still trying to kill me. I ran away to Midian uh, over here. And my father, I, I married a woman uh, here. And, and, I, and my father-in-law gave me a job tending his sheep. He didn't even have his own flock by this time. Now, I want you to notice in verse number one. 
Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. And the Bible says on the end of the verse, he led the, flock, he led the flock to the backside of the desert. Now, there's two parts of the desert. There's the front part and there's the back part. You can live on the front part. Las Vegas is located on the front part of the desert. But on the backside of the desert, you don't live. You struggle just to survive. It's barren of food and certainly uh, barren, barren of, of, of water. And life is the same way. There's the front side of life and there's the back side of life. And our Christian life is the same way. There's the front side, and that's what we often see, the joy and the peace, and we often see the, the fellowship we have with another and thank God for that. But there's the back side of the Christian life, the heartbreak that we sometimes face, the sorrow we have to go through, sometimes the ridicule of our own friends and our own families laughing at us, or those in the workforce that know that we have a testimony for Jesus might mock us. And there's two parts of that Christian life. I thank God for the front part where we come together here and worship the Lord and have our hearts uplifted. But we, you and I both know there's the other side as well, that we spend alone with God in a time of prayer and sometimes in a time of uh, tur turmoil. On the back side of the desert, you don't live, you just survive. A lot of folks are like that in their life, just surviving from one day to the next, one day to the next, one day to the next. But that's not what God wants for us. Jesus said in the Gospel of John, chapter number 10, he says, I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. God just doesn't want you to survive. God wants you to thrive in your life. It's not a matter of just getting by day by day, but realizing every day his blessing and his goodness has been upon you. And every day coming to the close of that day when the sun is set and we're ready to turn in for the night to say, it's been a good day with you, Lord. You provided for me in a great way. An abundant life with the Lord. And many Christians just don't have that. And Moses was on the backside of life. He was looking. He was longing. He was wanting. But he was still on the backside of the desert. Now you can survive in the desert, but you got to make some changes. You can't live like you normally would live on the front side of the desert. It means some, some changes you'll have to make there. But I want you to notice what we look at something here. I want to look the bush, the burning bush, as it's so often referred to. Moses walking along, probably very despondent, watching the sheep, and all of a sudden he saw something unusual. Now, not much grows in the desert. <laughs> you can get skinny, scrawny little bushes here and there. And by, because of the intense heat, many times, spontaneously, they would burst into flame and they would burn up. That was not what amazed Moses. He was not amazed that the bush was on fire. That did not catch his attention. What caught his attention was that the bush burned and kept on burning and was not consumed. That's what got his attention. He saw those kind of bushes burn every day. But this bush 
was different, and it caught Moses' attention. And he said, well, I'm going to go take a little closer look at this bush, and I would too, and you probably would be interested in seeing something like that. And the closer he got to that bush, God warned him, Moses. And but can you imagine hearing a voice calling your name? <laughs> and that would be something else, wouldn't it? And God said, Moses, not one time. Moses, Moses. Now, I don't know how God said it. And then he goes, Moses, Moses. <laughs> or if he says, Moses, Moses. I don't know how he said Maybe to get his attention. We do that sometimes with our children, don't we? We say, well, I don't know, maybe the kid's name is Mark. He said, Mark, Mark. <laughs> to get his, maybe I kind of tend, that's how God might have spoken to him. Because the first time, Moses, huh? what's going on? And God said it again. But he got his attention. And God says, you are on holy ground. Take your shoes off. Now, this bush was different than the rest. Not because of the fire, but it was different because it burned when there was nothing to burn on. I want you to keep that thought in your mind. It caught his attention. It was different. And folks, it's not I wish I could explain this to some of these modernistic churches. It's not how much like the world you are that would draw people to Jesus, but how different from the world you are that would draw to Jesus. And sometimes they think, well, you know, we got to get more world. And now we have wonderful music this morning. I appreciate the brother playing the guitar. Did a great job on it. My heart was touched by it. But I'm talking about rock music. I'm talking about laser lights. And I'm talking about all that, bringing the world into the church to attract the world. And they come in and say, yeah, we see this at rock concert. That's no different. I go to rock concert. I see laser, uh, laser lights. I hear the big boom, 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 boom. I hear the drums. I hear all that. That's not a testimony to the difference that Christ makes in our life. And that's why the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And that touches every aspect of our life. Now, I, I, I like banjos. I like guitars. I like steel guitars. I like fiddles. <laughs> I, like that, I like that sound. I like that type of gospel music. I also like uh, a music of another chord. Uh, and before I was saved, I was a big fan of country music. I, I, I just like the, the style and the tone and, and everything. But after I got saved, I really began paying attention to what they sing about. And you stop and think about it. What do they sing about? Depression, problems, my dog ran away, I missed the last train in town, you know, uh, uh, my mother-in-law moved in. I mean... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And old Hank Williams Jr. had his big song, There's a Tear in My Beer. And he, I mean, that, that, that began, I, I got something better to sing about than that. I got joy. I got victory. I don't have to sing about the depression of the world and the problems of the world. I got a God that loves and cares and delivers me. And my song is sung on a high note unto God. A while back, you might remember this. Uh, they had this thing called backmasking. Uh, some of you young people have no idea what a record is. 
If you ever see one, it looks like a big black CD, all right? <laughs> and, uh, uh, and it has grooves on it. And you put it on the old-fashioned stereo, all right? And now we're going back in time. And you put the needle down, and it plays the songs, right? Well, they had what they called backmasking, where they actually reversed the turntable so that all the words came out backwards, and it's supposed to be a secret message. <laughs> some of you remember what I'm talking about. And some of the young people, you have no clue. <laughs> Ask mom and dad about it. <laughs> And I got to thinking, you know what happened? You put a country music record on that thing and you play it backwards, you know what you, you, know what you get? You get your house back, your dog back, your wife back, your money back. Because <laughs> everything is built on what they lose. But we have a better song for Jesus. And so the Bible says, a new creature in Christ. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 6 verse 17, the Bible says, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. The reason why God's not answering some of my prayers, and the reason why God's not answering some of your prayers, may be we're touching the unclean thing. And we need a cleansing in our life by the Lord. And so it's not acceptance by the world that draws people to Christ, but the difference. And sometimes people will look at it and say, there's something different about you. There's something different in your life. There's something different in your home. Now you have the wonderful opportunity to tell, it's not something, it's someone called Jesus. He's made the difference in my life. Now, if a Christian get, person gets saved, they live like the world, they dress the same old way, talk the same old way, do the same, drink the same old beer, watch the same old TV shows, uh, tell the same old dirty jokes and everything. Where's the contrast? Where's the draw to Christ? And the Bible says that we're different. Not better, but we're different. And the fact that this bush was different than the rest caught Moses' attention. I was talking to someone this morning. And maybe this might be applicable for your life. You know, people don't understand why we go to church. Anybody have a question? Why do you go to church? What do you go to church for? And I ask them, why don't you go to church? And, and they say, well, I go to church. I don't go to church. It's boring. And so, You're going to the wrong church. <laughs> You're going to the wrong church. You need to go to a church living for Jesus. That's what you need to do. You need to go to a good Bible-believing Baptist church, uh, and, and you'll see, and you'll see the difference. So the first thing we notice tonight, if God's going to use us in his work and in his service, we need to be different for God. And Moses saw this in the bush there. The, the bush was on fire. Now let's look at the fire a little bit. And actually, I don't have much more to the message, a very simple thought. The bush was unusual because it burned when there was nothing to burn on. What type of person does God want to use? Well, one that's got a lot of talent and a lot of ability. No. The only ability you need to serve God is availability and maybe dependability. But those two things, you can serve the Lord. 
Now, 1 Timothy chapter 1. Let's turn there for a moment. Paul's writing to his son in the faith. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, and at verse number 12. And Paul is writing to Timothy, a young preacher, and he says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me. It wasn't my ability. It was God that enabled me who enabled me for that he he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Now, folks, you mark it down. You're in the ministry tonight. Now, we often think about someone entered the ministry becoming a missionary or a pastor or a pastor's wife or a missionary. No, no, no. You have a home, fellas. You have a ministry to your wife. Mom and dad, you have a ministry to your children. One thing, now your pastor's not here, so I can say this freely, but you can tell him I said it. <laughs> and, uh, sometimes pastors will say to me, Brother Sousa, how do you balance the ministry with your family life? No such thing. You will not find a verse in the Bible that tells you to balance your Christian life. You will not find one verse in the Bible that tells you to balance your ministry as a husband, as a wife, as a church member, a choir director, a youth worker, or as a pastor, or as a deacon. The word balance isn't there. The only time I'm thinking I could find the word balance is when in the book of Daniel, to the king, it says, thou art weighed in the balance and, and found wanting. God does So, preacher, well, what's, what's the answer? It's not balancing. It is fulfilling the ministry. There is a difference. And I tell pastors, look, you take a day and you take your kids and family to a park, maybe play some ball or frisbee or whatever you want to do. You are not balancing the ministry. You're fulfilling the ministry. You're ministering to a family in your church. It happens to be yours. (laughs) But that's fulfilling it. See, balancing has the idea, well, I got to give up some here and put more. Of it. How did pastors say, well, we got to give up on soul winning because we had to balance it off with discipleship. We just had too many souls getting. So how do you give up on soul winning? How do you balance that? You don't balance. You fulfill it. And soul winning is not completed until there's discipleship. It's not a matter of just getting a profession of faith. It's a matter of baptism and discipling them. And so we have a ministry tonight. And Paul's telling Timothy that God enabled him. God, husbands, God enabled you to be the spiritual leader of your home. You say, well, preacher, my wife knows more of the Bible than I do. Then, ladies, you give that leadership over to him and let him learn. And if he starts to tell you something and t- teach you something, don't say, oh, I already know that. I, uh, no, no, just listen to him. Just listen to him. Let God enable you. And he says, he counted me faithful. How faithful are you to God's ministry? I know I can speak safely tonight because you're here. (laughs) You're here. You're faithful. You gave the day unto the Lord, and I commend you for that. And that's necessary, isn't it, to be 
faithful in the ministry. And he was on, he says, look what I was before. Well, a blasphemer, a persecutor, injurious. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ. Paul said, how can I minister? My past is forgiven. Aren't you glad for that tonight? Aren't you glad when you got saved, God doesn't, a year or two later, dig it up and throw it in your face? It's gone. It's forgiven. It's cleansed. It's buried in the deepest sea. It's blotted out as a thick cloud. God said, I cast them behind my back. Your sin and iniquity will I remember no more. You know what the devil does? He throws it up in your face. Who are you to serve God? Who are you to be faithful in church? Look how you used to live. Look what you did. Look what you... And the key to all of that, yeah, that's what I was, but that's not what I am now. I've been changed by the power of God. Don't let the devil throw your past up in your face. Stop you from from being a servant of of, of the Lord here. You see, these little bushes in the desert burn up real quick. And gone. Some Christians are like that. Boy, they get up there, woo, big flare, and then what? They go down just as fast. It's like lighting a match. You light a match, and boy, big flare, right? And then it just kind of, it goes down. But this bush kept on burning. That's the kind of servant I want to be of the Lord. Now, it was the fire of God in it that made it unique. And the Lord took a skinny, scrawny bush, set it on fire, and used it as a message to Moses and showed his presence and his power. I've learned a long time ago that God uses some strange things. He does. Remember the donkey with Balaam? Balaam was so backslidden, far from God. And he's bringing his donkey down the road, and the angel of the Lord stood in front of it, and Balaam was so far from God, he didn't even see it. And the donkey saw it. And the donkey stopped. And Balaam says, come on, move. Now, I know donkeys can be stubborn sometimes. I understand it, but this one wasn't going to move. There was an angel of God in front of him, and, and, and Balaam's hitting him and beating him to get him to move. And a donkey turns around and says, what are you hitting me for? Balaam was so far from God, that didn't even surprise him. <laughs> now, would you be surprised if your dog talked to you? <laughs> would you be surprised if uh, uh, you, you had a cat and cat talked to you? All right, maybe you got a horse or even a donkey. I mean, I would stop and say, huh? He's talking, and, he's, and then he talks back to the donkey. <laughs> That's how far from God he was. But God used that old donkey to get Balaam's attention and deliver a message to him. How many other times in the Bible God used a simple rod of Moses, Aaron's rod, actually? Just a, you know what a rod is? Just a stick, Right? That's all it is, just a stick. But in the hand of the man of God, with the power of God upon it, he dipped it in the Nile, and it turned to blood. 
with that rod, held it up high, crossed the Red Sea. With that rod, he held it during the battle with the Amalekites, and that rod was held high, and Israel had the victory. It was just a stick, but it was a stick with the power of God in it. Now, folks, you don't have to be much to be used of God. And young man, you don't have to have a whole lot of brain power. I mean, it helps, yes. And you don't have to have a whole lot of talent of playing musical instruments and this and all of that. But if you will seek the power of God in your life, God can use you. I'm not going to spend time tonight in my testimony. Some of you know it. But I wasn't cut out to be a preacher. If you knew me growing up, you wouldn't see much hope for me. Even my old high school counselor advised me to go get a job in manual labor because I wasn't smart enough to do anything else until I met Jesus. When I gave my heart to Jesus, that was the first step, but not the end. Because after you give your heart to Jesus, there's also the giving of your life to Jesus as well. And that's where a lot of Christians fall short. You give your heart to the Lord and thank God for that. But you need to go a little step further and give your life to the Lord. You mentioned this morning a young lady in our church. I've been praying for her for some time. And she'd gone as a as she come from a preteen and then a teen. I saw the changes take place and I was concerned for her in her life. I let her know I was praying for her. Last Thursday in our prayer meeting night, I sat down with her and I said, Jada, tell me what God's doing in your life. And she got a tear in the corner of her eye. And she said, last Friday night at, at camp, I guess they had youth camp and then Friday night they had a rally at the end. She says, I surrendered to serve God. She gave her heart to the Lord years before, but it took years later to surrender her life to the Lord. I wish you'd keep her in prayer. But it was the presence of God, a fire in that bush, that made the difference. You know, that's what I want from my life. The presence and the power of God in my life. I don't need to be, and God bless those evangelists. I somewhat envy them, but, you know, you get some of that, and they sing so well, you know. They sing and they preach. I hate guys like that. <laughs> they sing and they preach, and then they'll pick up an instrument and play a violin or, or a trumpet. It's like, oh, man. I had a pastor call me a while back now. He said, Brother Susan, I'm thinking of having you come for some meetings in my church. I said, well, I'd be glad to. What dates did you have in mind? And he says, well, before we talk about dates, uh, let me ask you. What do you do in the meeting? I preach. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I know that. Of course, you preach. What else do you do? Well, I'll go soul winning with the pastor or knock on some doors or pass out flyers or something like that. Yeah, 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 that's, that's good. But what else do you do? I said, brother, what are you talking about? He said, well, do you play an instrument? I said, no. Do you do things like gospel magic? I said, well, no. Do you think like chalk artist? And I said, no. 
Do you do things like ventriloquists or something like that? And I said, no. He said, so all you do is preach? I said, yes. He goes, let me get back to you. And he never did. But I'll tell you, I got to think, maybe I should be able to do something. I don't know. Maybe I could try to come up here. I'm not opposed to it. Don't get me wrong, folks, okay? I'm not criticizing that. But not everybody can do that. And I don't want you to think that God can't use you because you don't have that multitude of talents to serve God. See, young men here tonight, and I look at you, and I can see what God can do in your life and how God can take you Put his fire in your heart and fire in your soul and use you in his work and in his service. I see all kinds of folks here tonight. I don't see any old people. I just see young people and folks my age. But God can use you. Oh, preacher, you know, what's that old song? The old gray mare ain't what she used to be. Yeah, I know that. But God's not looking for a thoroughbred to run in the Kentucky Derby. And as long as you have breath in your life, as long as God lets the blood flow warm through your veins, God can use you in his work and in his service in some way. I may not be much, but I can ask God for his fire in my heart and his power in my life. You know, just a, just a drop of his blessings upon me, not buckets full, just a drop of his blessing upon me can show what God can do in my life. I know, folks, and you folks are so kind. You really are. God bless you. You never know what y'all do mean to me. But I'm well aware that greater preachers than I have stood in this pulpit and preached so much better, painted so much better images of the Holy Scriptures. I was never big in the brain department in school. I was never big in the athletic department growing up. But I did learn to fall in love with Jesus. And I did learn I want to serve Jesus. And I did learn I was going to need God's help to do it. And through the years, we've seen the blessings of souls saved. I was talking to Brother, Mark, Brother Bachman before the service and how just a couple of meetings ago, I had two meetings right in a row. After each of them, the pastor asked me, says, can you stay longer? We want the meetings to go beyond the scheduled dates because God was giving evidence of revival. I couldn't do it because I had to go someplace else. Two meetings in a row. Last meeting we just closed out last week in, in, in uh, Pennsylvania. Last service uh, uh, on Sunday was uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, Friday, uh, Sunday had to set up extra chairs in the church because God was blessing. Now, folks, I'm no extraordinary preacher. I'm not written up in big periodicals in Christianity Today or the Sword of the Lord or anything like that. I'm not a big preacher, and I know that, but I'm happy to serve Jesus. I'm happy to be used by him, and it takes just total surrender of your life. Now, I'm just a bush, 
scrawny, scrubby bush, living on top of the mountain and woke it. <laughs> Not much there, but with God's help, I could be a burning bush in somebody else's life. And so can you. Because if God can use me, there's no excuse why God cannot use you. Honey, would you come to the piano, please? You've been patient with me all day today, folks. And I appreciate that. Preach four sermons. I'll tell you, when a preacher comes here, you, you preach him to death. <laughs> but I have no problem with it at all. Some of you were in the early service, stayed for Sunday school. Some came for Sunday school in the morning service. Some came for the morning service. And here you are in a Sunday night service. God bless you. But can I encourage you tonight? And maybe some of these young men that are here tonight, especially, how do you see God using you? Well, preacher, I don't have, I have any ability what did Paul say? He enabled me. It's not in a... Was it last week, you had a preacher in this, in this pulpit. Probably tore it up if I know him. Brother Barnett. <laughs> you know, he, he's one of our preacher boys. Saved off our, our bus ministry. He might have mentioned that to you. Just growing up in the projects in New Britain. Jehovah Witness background. Didn't know much. Bus broke down, met his a young girl by the name of Dottie, who was his wife. And she was here, I'm sure, with him. Led her to the Lord. She started coming to church, and she started inviting Robert to come. And one night, he bowed the knee to Jesus, and he got saved. And as you could tell, he never got over it. <laughs> Matter of fact, I'll be preaching in his church in a few weeks in Knoxville, Tennessee. And that's always a blessing. We change, we change pulpits there, you know, so, so to speak. And it's always a privilege to preach with him. But what I'm trying to tell you is, God can use you. Anybody, any one of you. Don't you go make it, well, I'm old and I'm, the, you know, being old is a great advantage. Because you have wisdom you could pass down to somebody else. You have understanding that you can pass on to somebody else and be an encouragement many times just by showing up and sitting in your assigned place in church because everybody has one. And so tonight, I'm going to ask you, would you be willing tonight to say, God, I'm not much, but what I have I want to give to you. I gave you my heart. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, you've never been saved, tonight would be a great night to do that and be saved, be born again by the power of God, and then you'll know the joy there is of being a Christian. But I'm going to assume that the vast majority, if not all of us, have done that. But now to go a little bit further and to say to the Lord, Lord, if you could use a bush in the desert... If you could use a donkey, you could use a stick, you could use Brother Susan. God, use me. Use me. And set my soul afire, Lord. I may not be much, but I could be a bush burning for God. 
and you can too. Would you stand and please and look up this way? I'd like to challenge you tonight by way of invitation to say to God, God, put a fire in my soul. God, put a fire in my heart for you. God, use me in your service. There's somebody that will come and join this one that's already uh, had come to and say, God, I want a fire in my heart. I want a fire in my soul. God, I can surrender to you tonight, God. Set my soul afire, Lord. Set my soul. God, use me. I want to be used by the Lord. God bless you. And God bless you, dear sister, young man. Bless your heart tonight. God bless you. That's right. You want a fire? Do you? You want God burning in you? Why don't you join these right now at this altar tonight and to say, God, set my soul afire, Lord. A fire that the world, the flesh, and the devil cannot put out. And I want to pray with these that are here at this altar tonight along with them. Holy Spirit of God, only you can move upon hearts. Only you can touch lives. And Lord, you touched some tonight, God. There's all ages at this altar tonight. And I'm asking you, Lord, put a fire inside of them. Set them on fire, God, that the glow of Jesus may be seen. Anoint them with power. Some of these young men here, Lord, I, God, someday I, you're going to call me to glory would be that perhaps one of these young men would take up the ranks and fill the gap. And Father, for others that are at this altar tonight, of all ages, it's never too old to serve you if we're willing to let you have your way in our life. And so God, we surrender to you tonight in the name of Jesus, we ask it. And amen. God bless you.